Hello and welcome to Inside the Admissions Office, your one-stop shop for expert advice on the smart way to get in. My name is Kayla, and each episode I'll bring you an interview with a former admissions officer, a graduate of a top college, or an admissions expert. These interviews will take you inside the admissions office and will be full of behind-the-scenes knowledge, first-hand experiences, and application tips that will help you get into your dream school. This week, we're talking to Adrian Gilbert, a former high school college counselor and a former admissions officer from Rice, to talk about how you should be taking advantage of your counselor. Hi, Adrian. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So not only were you an admissions reader for Rice University, but you actually also worked as a college counselor and in high school. So how long did you do that for? Um, that was actually my dream job. And I was there for um, just over three years. And that was when we were living in a big city, lots of private schools. And so I was working at one of the elite private schools in our city. And um, director of college counseling. And so it just was a really cool opportunity to be on the other side of the desk after having been in admissions for so many years. So it was nice to kind of see um, students kind of working on their applications and what went into it um, from their perspective. So it was um, really an awesome opportunity. But um, college counseling is definitely my passion, which has been great. Yeah, it sounds like really rewarding work working with those students. Yeah. Um, so obviously you're working with students through their high school or their college applications um, and working with them through high school. So can you kind of walk me through exactly what you did as a college counselor? Sure. College counselors vary by school. Sometimes um, you'll have them name different things. Um, at most private schools, I would say that they're college counselors. They might have a director of college counseling with a couple um, associates or just a couple of college counselors or one college counselor per school. Sometimes um, at larger public schools, they are actually guidance counselors who also counsel on the college process. So it really depends on the school. But um, where I was in a private school setting, the college counselor is the sole person in charge of the college search and the college process with each student. Um, I work with students from ninth grade through 12th. So I worked with all of our students um, creating curriculum from like the ninth grade, learning about what is a GPA, all the way through to senior year where we're talking about weighted GPA versus unweighted GPA. We're talking about uh, which, which schools to apply to, all of that kind of stuff. So we really do, as college counselors, you do a lot of different things, but they're all in preparation for the final goal of hopefully finding your best fit college or a list of colleges that you think would be a strong fit that we help you um, create and then applying to those schools and hopefully getting into your dream one. So, um, and, that, and that was basically the bulk of like the goal, um, but there's lots of little things that go along with it. There's like college coffees for parents, there's college admissions counselors that are coming in um, and meeting with our students. There's college road trips that we would go on. Um, so lots of different stuff. But again, that would vary depending on the school and the different counseling office. Right. But you're definitely not just working with high school seniors as they're getting ready to start applying. You're working with them all the way from freshman year, kind of getting them ready. Yes. Yeah. And it kind of builds like so like ninth grade is kind of like broad and then you get a little bit more in depth um, come 10th grade and then 11th and 12th. You're getting really much more intense in terms of like narrowing down your interests, kind of coming up with 
know, what are the best fit schools for me and understanding why those are the best fit schools. Just kind of um, using a multitude of like approaches for that. But, um, you know, a lot of it is actually visit the colleges, talking with someone like myself who has the experience of being on those college campuses and saying, yeah, I could see you there. That was like the line that I think people would always say, oh, Mrs. Gilbert can see me there, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was something that I think only a college counselor can really provide um, because we have been to those campuses. We can we know the student and we can kind of provide that context together to kind of come up with the best fit um, couple of schools for them to apply yeah, to. Yeah, there's really that nice, well-rounded kind of perspective that you bring. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we'll get into this a little bit later of why this is so important, but starting from ninth grade, when students start working with you, what is the best way for them to kind of build a relationship with their college counselor? Sure. I think a lot of the relationships like between like high school students and college counselors will start to evolve over time. So don't feel this kind of pressure that in ninth grade, you need to go find out who your college counselor is and know them in and out. Like that doesn't have to happen right away. Um, It's a natural process. I think sometimes, um, depending on the school, you may not actually know who your college counselor will be until 10th grade or 11th grade, depending. Um, But just like be familiar as a ninth grader with the college counseling office, the fact that they exist, um, trying to, you know, ask questions whenever there is programming, just to kind of like make yourself a familiar face to them would be a would be great. Um, I think one of the easiest things that we could all do, you know, anyone is saying hi. So you see a college counselor in the op- in the hallway, not in their office, and you say hi to them. And that that's a, the easiest way to make a favorable impression on someone is to just be nice. Um, so I think when you're starting to build a relationship with someone, just that, that common courtesy of saying hi, you know, building that up over the years, like, oh, how are you doing? What are you doing this weekend? Little things like that are going to make a very favorable impression on somebody, whether it's a teacher or a college counselor or anyone. So that's like the very easiest thing you could possibly start start with. Right. And that definitely <laughs> is super so, easy. Yeah, but not everyone does that. I think people can be a little bit intimidated by the counselors sitting in the counseling office. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, they're, they're a person, too. And odds are, um, depending on your school, but odds are that person has admissions background. So that person is it's a really good resource for you. And we'll talk more about that in this interview. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely are a great resource. And I think one of the most important parts of the college counselor is that they're writing that letter of recommendation for you, um, which is one of the reasons why it's (laughs) so important to get to know your counselor. Um, So let's talk a little bit more about that letter of recommendation. So why is it so important that the students get a good letter of recommendation from their counselor? So just like your grades, just like the test scores that you might spend months preparing for, um, just like your resume that you've tried to polish over the course of four years as best as you can to be a strong leader, the letter recommendations that you have, including the counselor letter recommendation, have just as much weight as everything else that you've been trying to control as best as you can for four years. And so what that means is that's a complete wild card for you. You have no idea what that letter of recommendation will actually say about you. Um, so when we're thinking about building a relationship with a college counselor, we're thinking about building this like as much favorable impression on that person who will eventually be 
quote unquote, like lobbying your case to an admissions counselor through a letter recommendation. Um, the more they know you, the more they're aware of your accomplishments, like say like sophomore year, junior year, start to build up your leadership skills, you know, sharing that with your college counselor, making sure that they're aware of that before you even go into senior year by having a resume copy of yours. Um, the more they're aware of all the things that you've done, the more they can talk about, the more they can share about, the more they can say, oh, Jimmy is so delightful. Every time I see him, he always greets me with a hi. He's the only one in his class who does that. That's powerful. Okay, so little things like that are things that they will write about, but they'll also write about your big accomplishments. They'll talk about you in context of your peers and you know what kind of person you are in comparison to your peers in terms of like, are you the leader of the group? Are you the person who's very philanthropic and really truly cares about humankind? Like what kind of, what kind of student are you in, in, in your class setting? Um, and that gives a really good context to an admissions reader in terms of, they know the whole class. They, they know who the, who the this is and who the that is. And so they can really show a lot to a college counselor, um, I mean, to a college admissions counselor at a, a college about who you are as a person in addition to who you are on a transcript. So it is an uh, invaluable tool. It is, is incredibly, um, probably like the best having read for Rice and other schools, like that is probably the one letter that just really seals the deal for us in terms of like contextually understanding who you are after we've read everything else about you that you've presented yourself. So it really could make or break a student's application. Yes. Yeah, I would absolutely, um, I would absolutely say that um, is true. Uh, I mean, granted, like a student is going to, you know, probably a student who puts a lot of effort into their college application has probably put a lot of effort into getting to know their college counselor and it's probably going to be a great application right and a great letter um it's the cases where you know there's not a lot of effort put forth in an application it can be kind of confirmed by a counselor's letter of recommendation that maybe that kid is not as serious about this process as someone else, mm -hmm. you know, so we can kind of see those things. So I don't know that make or break is like the right phrase, but it definitely will be a very telling piece of um, evidence for your case. Right. I guess. Right. Yeah. If we're thinking about it like a legal case. <laughs> yeah. You know. So when you are writing that letter, when you were a college counselor, what yeah. kind of um, information were you putting in it? You talked a little bit about kind of writing about the student as a person and comparing them to their class, but um, obviously students don't get to see that letter. So just to give students kind of an idea of what counselors are putting in it, what theirs might look like. Oh, that's a, that's a great question. You, yeah, so you'll never see it because of FERPA um, roles um, with the college admissions process. You also won't see your teacher letter recommendations, but teachers, um, what they'll do for their letters, they're highly encouraged to talk about your academic skills. So they'll be they'll be the ones focusing on your academics. Like, how are you in the classroom discussions? How are you, um, like, how have you maybe like mastered the subject material or how did you struggle with something and then overcome that in your, in the class? Um, a counselor is a little bit of the opposite. We're not going to focus on the academics as much as we're going to focus on the character and who you are as a person. Um, and we're going to use as if you're a good counselor and writing a good letter, you're going to you're going to focus as much on examples as possible to kind of paint the picture for an admissions committee as to what we mean by that. Right. So, like, what does it mean for this student to actually be of strong character? 
character. Well, we're probably going to use an example of when you showed like exceptional strength and character, um, whether that was like a traumatic event that happened and you just rose to the occasion, show that, or you were just an honorable student and here's how you showed your honor. Um, we're going to show that through examples. And sometimes we, we see that firsthand. Sometimes we just hear about that in the school and we ask more questions to your teachers like, oh, tell me more about that. Um, depending on the size of your school, if it's a small school, everyone kind of knows that stuff just from, from conversation. If it's a bigger school and we don't know it, the details, we're going to ask. So um, where I was, you know, we would even ask parents. We would ask parents to weigh in on, you know, hey, you know, I'm getting the picture of this about your child. Can you give me some examples perhaps? And then I would sometimes get parent examples to kind of be able to use that in my in my writing and reflection on you know the student's character or um, some specific stories of like their life um, we also use the counselor letter of recommendation to talk about any obstacles you faced that we have the permission to share so if you really truly you had a you know a health emergency during your sophomore year and you were in the hospital for a period of time and you really you know had a hard time to have to try and redo all the work that you missed and things like that we'll talk about that in our counselor letter as well just to kind of provide that additional context like hey this was a really hard semester for this student and here's why so we kind of are able to as well like kind of share any kind of unusual circumstances that might have happened um if there was a brand new ap chemistry teacher and that teacher was just like no one got higher than a 79 in the class like we will we will contextually put that in the letter as well like if you were one of those students like hey fyi you know as i write all this about the student you should also know this it's like this this year we had this exceptionally hard ap chemistry teacher um this student actually got the highest grade in the class at a 79 and you know so we'll say that kind of stuff as well so it's kind of a robust letter. Mine were always very long. <laughs> I would expand the margins and I would try and put it all on one page. And I was like, my margins were like 0.25, you know, on each side, just trying to, <laughs> trying to fit as much as I could on a page. Right. But that's great to hear. And I feel like it should be very reassuring for students to know that if they do have a really hard class or a hard time with something that yes. their college counselor is going to be there to advocate for them. Yes. And, and again, part of that is like, you know, like we would know some of those things that are like more class based, but then we would want you to be sharing with us as well some of the things that are maybe more personal to you, which is, again, why, especially as you advance in, in your high school careers, like getting to know your college counselor, going in when there's a meeting scheduled, actually opening up during that meeting and talking about yourself. That is super important because that person is going to be the one being able to share the context of your life with the committee eventually. So they're the ones who need to know that stuff. So. Right. Yes. And it's best coming from the student themselves. They have the most information. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So speaking of kind of counselors advocating for the student, um, your job isn't done as soon as the student um, submits their application. So can you talk about kind of the relationship that the counselor has with the admissions office at a college um, going forward after the application is submitted? Yeah, so I, um, I have, as a college counselor, I have um, lobbied for kids who were on wait lists. I have lobbied for kids who were maybe deferred into the regular round. Um, I've had college admissions officers call me and say, hey, it's the nine week mark. Can you tell me how 
so-and-so is doing at the nine week mark of this semester because it's an early decision kid and we are we're going back and forth can you give me an indicator of how this student's grades are and so the, you know whether it's whether it's a phone call that they're calling us and asking that kind of a question or they're sending a quick email or they're asking for follow-up about a certain grade that maybe we can help elaborate like what happened like why did that grade happen you know whatever whatever questions they might have when reviewing your file the only person that they are calling not your mom not your dad not you they're calling your college counselor so again cannot reiterate enough how important it is for that college counselor to one like you and if they don't like you they have to respect you uh, at least and then two um just to, like that person to really understand like if there were things that were you know maybe sore spots on the transcript or maybe you just really you have a learning disability that's keeping your test scores from reaching a certain level they need to know that so they can be able to relay any kind of information that needs to be relayed on your behalf to kind of support your application. Right. And that's a huge resource, just having that advocate. But I think you're right that building that relationship is so, so important for so many reasons, especially that, you know, you might think that once you hit submit, there's nothing else that you can do. And maybe there isn't anything that the student can do, but the college counselor is still there working for them. Yeah. And, you know, the college counselor can also help you think about um, sometimes, you know, we encourage, well, we always encourage, like, if you have new information to send to a college after you've submitted your application, so say your school's drama team that you're a part of has made it to like the state tournament for a drama competition. And that is not something that you've put on your application because you've already submitted it. You can talk with your college counselor about questions like this where, hey, did I actually submit this? Like, how do I do that? Like, should I, should I email the college the admissions counselor? Like, sh is this worthy enough? Like your college counselor can help counsel you on like, yeah, that, that's something noteworthy that you should actually, actually send, you know, that will help your file. Um, so like they can help counsel you on that kind of stuff. They'll help you think through, you know, what does a defer mean? What does a wait list mean? And how do we lobby our case in those examples? You know, how do we, continue to show our interests. And so um, they will be tremendous resources just to you in general as you have questions throughout the process. Right, and that is super invaluable. Yeah. So uh, kind of going backwards a bit to looking at when students are getting ready to apply or just starting to learn about the college process. So you mentioned earlier that sometimes colleges would visit your school or admissions officers would visit yeah. or you would take students to a campus. Um, can you talk a bit about how students could kind of take advantage of those opportunities? Yes. So like, I think almost most, most schools um, do have at least a couple of visits a year. Our school was averaging about 60 college admissions counselors per year coming to visit. Wow. It just depends on the school. Yeah. Um, and obviously you cannot miss 60 class periods. Like you cannot go to every college admissions visit. Like that is just you're going to miss school, you're probably not going to allow that. But I think like looking at the list of schools, um, even before the semester starts and gets a little too crazy, a lot of them will be scheduled come August. Um, looking at the list and kind of zoning in on the ones that are maybe already on your college list, if you're a senior or if you're a junior and you're starting to think about colleges, you know, finding a couple that kind of resonate with you and making sure you go and attend. Typically, schools will have rules as to what, you know, how you can go to them. You might have to sign up in advance or you might have to get 
um, before 7.30 in the morning, permission from that period's teacher on a written note. I don't know. It depends on the school. Um, and so you just want to make sure that whatever the rules are, you're following them first and foremost. And you get the permission to leave class to go to the college visit. When you're at the college visit, you want to make sure you shake that person's hand. That's the very first thing you can do and introduce yourself. Um, I would, as a college counselor, I would have all my students, you know, say, thank you. Welcome to our school. Here's what's going on this week at our school. You know, you as a person, maybe your college counselor is not doing that, but maybe you can say like, hey, welcome to Whitfield Academy. You know, this, this week, you know, our football team has one whatever and we're going on to this just giving them a little bit of like an introduction as to your school like that's going to make that person feel incredibly welcomed um and just at ease just naturally at ease and they're going to remember that you were the kid who did that right because they're going to like look at you throughout the session and they're going to be reminded of you and at the end you're going to fi finalize with another handshake and you're going to repeat your name one more time so they can really cement it to them who you are so that when they leave, they're taking a little note in their little notebook. Like I liked Mariah, she was amazing. Um, similarly, like during that session, when they're talking, they're gonna have like maybe 20 minutes or so of a talk to you. You then have some time to ask questions. So thinking about questions while that person's talking is not a bad idea. So thinking about something that's smart and engaging, um, or just a general question you have about college or about that college in particular would be amazing to ask. Um, if you can't think of a question and you have no idea, having a prepared question would be an amazing thing too. So one of the things that I would have all my students, we always switched which student would ask it from each thing, but we would ask just a marketing type question. We would say, um, and I never asked it, but I always had a student ask and it was always, if your school was a brand of car, what brand of car would you be and why? And it's stumped, yeah, it stumped the admissions counselors every single time. And you know, like they'd be like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know. <laughs> they, we, we catch them on their toes and like really make them think about that question. And I think what happened was, it was like a very humbling moment for the admissions counselor. They saw the students as very smart students. Um, and then the students got a really nice unscripted look at that college. So like when Washington and Lee is like, you know, we'd be a Ford F-150 pickup truck because we're rugged and we're like tough up in the mountains of Virginia, but we on the inside, we're like sleek. We've got like leather seats. We, you can go on a nice date in our car. You know, we are fancy on the inside, but man, we are tough. We are able to kind of handle rugged terrain, all this stuff. Um, or, you know, other schools, you know, someone's at a Toyota Camry. And, you know, my, no, nothing against Toyota Camrys, but, you know, our kids were not as intrigued by Toyota Camry. Um, so it's just, it's just really interesting just to kind of see, um, you know, what they say. So just having a scripted kind of one that you think of in advance that's kind of clever that you could ask. Um, and kind of put them on their, you know, the edge of their seat a little bit thinking about like, what am, what are we, you know, um, challenge them a little bit. That is a really fun approach as well, if you're the kind of kid who has the confidence to do that. Right. And so you mentioned uh, making sure you make an impression and having, yeah. um, you know, talking to the admissions officer and everything. How much of a difference does that make um, for your admissions odds if the person kind of writes down your name and says, you know, I remember this student? Well, I think what, what's going to happen is you're going to have to follow up with that person. So like you'll make that introduction, you'll shake their hand at the end, you'll ask good questions during it. 
when you when you leave and this is the same for a campus visit too if you've met that person you've asked good questions while you saw them on campus and then you leave doing a follow-up email where you kind of like remind them like hey i'm the kid who asked you that question sorry again for putting it on your on your toes there you know like but i really appreciate your answer by the way like i think colgate is in the top of my list or washington is the top of my list um i'm looking for ways to come to campus i see that this program exists and just having this like, engaging kind of an email back that asks a couple questions so which is encouraging the follow-up conversation back from the admissions counselor um, and also just shows your your smarts i think having that kind of an interaction in addition to the campus visit or in addition to when they came to your high school or if you saw them at a college fair and you had this engaging dialogue there and then you follow up with an email where you where you kind of remind them who you were i think now they're back at their desk or now they're at their email in their own comfort zone and they see your name pop up again that is not a bad thing for you, especially if you're doing all the right things in terms of your language. And it's not a bad thing for them to see that you are, you know, back at the top of their mind again in terms of your name. So I don't know that it's going to increase your odds, but natural humankind, you know, like the way we operate as humans, like if we have a favorable impression with someone and we really like someone, odds are we're going to lobby for that person even you know if the numbers aren't where they're supposed to be we're going to have a natural inclination to want to want to do something good for that person because that person made us feel so good right so i think the more you can think about it in terms of admissions counselors a human being who has feelings and emotions and is tired and is traveling a lot and really appreciates a warm face and a warm um, greeting and all of that i think the more you can do that, the better off you'll be in terms of like making a favorable impression early on with that admissions counselor. Definitely. So. And obviously making a great impression, it's never going to hurt you. No, it's no, no. Unless you like text message them like five <laughs> times a day and take it to an extreme, that's not encouraged. But just like right. having that gen genuine, genuine, authentic, really nice conversation with them and follow up, it's a great thing to do. It'll never hurt you. Definitely. So as students kind of meet these admissions officers or especially in junior year when they're kind of figuring it out, um, starting the admissions process, um, how do you, did you as a college counselor and how would you suggest students kind of go about their school list when they're kind of building it up? Uh, well, definitely seek out guidance, right? So like, like talk with your college counselor, talk with your parents. I think it's always great to hear like, what do your parents like think for you? Like, because remember your parents are smart individuals too, who have probably gone through this process before, or at least thought about it. Um, and so I think just like gaining, um, you know, as much perspective from different people in your life would be good just to kind of like hear what they think because they've known you for a while. But talking with your college counselor, talking, you know, um, with people who understand college admissions in general. So any kind of like genius college counselor, you know, we, that's what we do, you know, is we're helping you think through, okay, well, these are all the things that you like, right? So my, my husband is the vice president of enrollment at a college and he always says, um, uh, it's like the, um, what is the ice cream store? Cold Stone Creamery. It's like the, like, like it, love it, gotta have it. Like, that's like their mentality. Like, what do you like? What do you love? What do you gotta have? Right. So like thinking about like, well, what would you like in a college? What would you love in a college? And what do you gotta have? Like, what do you have to have in a college? Like, 
safety number one priority okay well then we're definitely going to make sure we're looking at that you know as a factor is it location you've got to be in california or a warm climate or whatever like what are what are the gotta haves is it your major hopefully major is one of them <laughs> but thinking about it in terms of that is I think it's helpful um i also encourage kids um, just to keep an open mind when they're thinking about their college list. And, you know, obviously rankings are huge for so many students and we look at that, but truthfully rankings, you know, I mean, they change every year. Someone could be in the top 50 one year, then they're number 51 and then like, oh, now they're 51, but maybe next year they're 48. So sometimes rankings are not the best indicators for many reasons. Um, but looking at like like a variety of schools, looking at small schools, looking at mid-sized schools, looking at large schools, and just kind of exposing yourself to public versus private, and really just kind of gauge like, what do I actually like? Like, do I think I like that idea of a school, but it might be too big for you, you know? Or like, you won't actually know that until you can kind of learn more about it, experience it firsthand if possible do the virtual tours that are online there's tons of those um follow their youtube channel if you have youtube uh follow their instagram if you have instagram follow any kind of social media you can possibly get your, your hands on um look at pictures online you know look at the look at the canvas what does it look like uh what do people say about it you know in different forums and things like that just kind of starting to do your research niche that um that comes the popular one among students i don't know that it's like the most I don't know if it's the best resource, but it's like it's got like student reviews on it. So you can kind of see what students say about their school there. Um, I would say the FIS guide is probably the best best guide that you could possibly use in terms of doing your own like, you know, non-biased research. It's just a really great tool. So getting a hand getting your hands on the FIS guide is like ten dollars to buy that online. So it's really not expensive. Um, and just like starting to think about like where do I want to go to college? Like what region of the country? What uh, what do I want to major in? Thinking about all that stuff and just kind of narrowing your list down that way would be great. So, yeah, I definitely like what you said about, you know, kind of rankings not being the most important aspect. I think it can be really tempting for students to look at the name of the college or the reputation or their ranking and kind of say, you know, I want to go to this school because everyone says it's so good when you might yeah. not end up liking the campus you know the vibe of the school or what they really have to offer for you exactly exactly or yeah yeah exactly or you like you don't even realize that this gem exists that's a perfect fit for you because you just were only looking at schools that were ranked number one through 40 or you know and like you're like you totally didn't even look at 45 and 45 is probably the best fit scenario school for you maybe right so um and also i think that you need to you have to approach things um and we do this with our students um and as a college counselor i did this too but making sure your list your final list of where you apply has a good mix it's it's a mixture of schools where your sat score or act score falls within the middle of 50 percent. so those are you know more of like target schools like we feel like you have a good shot there based on your academic profile obviously there's other factors they're looking at like new levels of recommendation things like that but where you feel like you you fall in the middle 50 percent of academics you have to have some of those schools you have still have to have some safety schools where we know for sure we have a really strong feeling you're going to get in but then you can have those reach schools that are like maybe that's like higher ranked and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to get in. The acceptance rate there is less than 20%. So it's kind of a wild card. You can definitely have a mix of those too. It's just a matter of making sure like your list is balanced, I think is also really important. 
Right. You don't want to limit yourself in any way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So kind of going back even earlier then, before you're building your school list, kind of um, to maybe the first couple years of school, um, you said earlier that you kind of would work with students on their curriculum, um, what they were doing in high school. So what do you think are the most beneficial kinds of extracurriculars or classes that students should be taking? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that um, ninth grade, like general, general strategy for ninth grade is you're new to high school. You have to understand like the new school system. You have to kind of take the classes that, you know, have been presented to you in terms of like, we think that based on your middle school performance, you're going to take this class, maybe honors English, but a regular bio or whatever. Um, you kind of like feel the waters, test the waters with, with academics, but you're also testing the waters with extracurriculars. So I think a lot of times ninth grade, you don't really know, you don't even know there's an activities fair, even though there's been flyers, like you don't even know how important that is. Um, but just like, like approaching ninth grade with a very open mind, like, oh, this club sounds in, I'm going to, I'm going to sign up for it. I don't know if I'm going to actually do it all four years of high school. Like I'm not committing to all four years of high school, but I'm going to try it. I'm going to give it a try. I'm also going to try this one and this one and this one and this one or maybe this sport and this sport and these two clubs. Like I'm gonna try different things. Um, 10th grade ends up being more of a, okay, this is what I liked in 9th grade. I like this, I like this class, I like that. I'm gonna try and push myself a little bit because I know my strength is in biology. So I'm gonna push myself a little bit and take a more rigorous class in science because I feel like I'm good at science. And I'm also gonna maybe join a science oriented club because I didn't really do one freshman year and I found that I really like science and I want to join one. And then you're probably going to end up sticking with that because it's like, like in line with your academic interests. So just kind of like starting to in 10th grade solidify a little bit more so what your interests are and then doing activities that are kind of related to that interest. Now keep in mind, like if you also, if you like science, but you also love art, Oh my gosh, you should absolutely be doing art too. Like don't don't think you can only do science. Like having a little bit of a variety is not a bad thing because as we get into junior year, we can start to bridge disciplines together. And we can take your love of science and your love of art and we can create a steam club. Or we can take your love of science and your love of art and we can do like artistic renderings of a brain. Or you know, we can do lots of different things that kind of take these two different disciplines or these two general areas that you've been interested in and kind of blend them together to start creating interdisciplinary, um, forward thinking kind of activities that will really actually set you apart in terms of competitive admissions. Similarly, you also want to be, now that you've maybe challenged yourself in sophomore year, when you get to junior year, you now you want to push the envelope a little bit. You're like, okay, I was able to handle the challenges of, of sophomore year, and I'm going to push myself a little bit further because I'm more mature and more comfortable in the school environment. I'm getting closer to college. AP classes are college level classes. Maybe I want to start to dabble in those. Maybe I want to take a couple of those. Now, if, if you had a rough sophomore year and you did not do well in the honors class that maybe you were in or the couple of honors classes, you need to be respectful of that too. Like you need to understand you yourself. It's not a competition with everyone else in this regard. You got to think, where are my strengths and that's where i'm going to push myself but if i'm struggling in other areas i should not be taking the ap class of the thing that i'm struggling in right like you have to be really cognizant of that and i think talking with like your school's registrar or school's college counselor in addition to your teachers for the subject matters and like 
what do they recommend you for and having honest conversations there is going to set you up for the best case scenario in terms of your gpa and your grades and how you approach junior year because junior year is notoriously like the hardest year of high school and so we don't want to set you up for failure we want to set you up for success while also hopefully pushing yourself whatever that might mean for you whether it's taking one ap taking four APs if your school even allows that i don't even know um but just knowing um that junior year is the year to push to think forward to really kind of you know show yourself as a leader even if it's not a president title of a club but just to be thinking like as a leader doing forward thinking kind of activities or like doing an independent study on your own and like how you're doing that and just thinking about that kind of stuff is really important junior year and then I think going into senior year, you know, you've taken all of that forward thinking and all of that pushing of yourself and you really are like honing in and narrowing in on like what's going to eventually be your application persona, which is who you are like at your core, like and, and what you want to do for this world. And, and that's very lofty for a high school student to think about. And that can change dramatically from the time like you know, you start college to the time you end college because college is very transformative but um just like having an idea of it like i think i want to change the world this way and like like i've done all this stuff and i really do love nanoparticles and, and water and i want to study the chemistry of nanoparticles and water like yeah cool we're gonna go with that right and so we're gonna push ourselves even further and maybe do like a really intensive summer program where we're working with like a, a researcher at a school that's nearby our house, or we're doing an academic mentorship where we're working one-on-one -on -one with someone to do a project. You know, we're doing something that's really like a signature project of sorts that's going to really, I mean, just take all the things that you've been doing and working up towards and like, just like, it's like the icing on the cake in terms of like, when an application reader is gonna read your file, they're gonna be like, wow, okay, this kid really showed over the course of their time in high school, this growing interest and in like really narrowing it down over the course of that time. And I really feel confident as a reader, this kid's gonna excel at our school in this department because look at everything that this kid has done. Um, so that's gonna show me you're motivated. It's gonna show me that you know what you're doing and you're confident and you feel you feel good about like, you know, taking on research and that kind of stuff. Like, cause it's daunting, you know, for, for a lot of students. That's all good stuff you could be doing. So. Yeah, but keep I it love, keep it centered to you. <laughs> yeah, I definitely I love the idea of kind of building on what you're doing every year. You know, it's not I think a lot of freshmen might feel really pressured to figure out what they're going to do right away. But it's really not necessary. You can kind of try things out. And then as you go yeah. through the years, narrow down your interests. Um, you know, if you have a bad year, kind of pulling back, really just building and reflecting on each year, I think is yes. a really great advice for students. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and, and also I would say like, don't be afraid, like maybe you are like not interested in politics, but you're really good at being a leader of your peers. Like maybe you should be in student government because you're a good, strong leader. And you know, you do everything else that's related to your major one day for college, but you also are in the student government. Like, that's okay. Like, you don't have to, that, not everything has to be like pigeonholed towards your one possible major, you know? Cause that, I mean, you're a human being too. And we want to see like how you were in context of your, your class, like in your school, like, were you like the leader? Were you this, were you that? So, you know, there are lots of different ways to show that too. So just remember that. 
Yeah, definitely. So the last thing I'm really curious about, since you have been kind of on all sides of admissions, you've worked with students as a college counselor, you've read apps at Rice, um, just from all of your experiences working with students, what do you wish that students would know or something that you saw students kind of making mistakes on that you really wish that they just kind of um, knew going into the process or knew when they were filling out their application? One should know this. Admissions counselors are human beings who read files just like anyone else would read a file. We get bored very easily. <laughs> we get tired very easily. The more engaging your essays are, like when you end up applying to college, like like telling me a story and like showing me like a side of you through a story is like the absolute best thing you can do to like re-engage me as a, as a reader. And I think so often, and the biggest mistake that I see is students trying to impress me. It's like impress, 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 impress. And I get so, oh my gosh, every last student was trying to impress me. That when you're the student who's like, let me take you on my trip down to wherever we went and like just like you just like take me into your world and you show me a little bit of a narrative like a little like segment it could be one little scene of your life that doesn't link into your major it doesn't link into whatever but it's a story that you weave and you show me that is the best way in my mind in terms of like trying to impress me is to not impress me <laughs> it's to like just tell me a story and and walk me into a day of your life or like walk me into like a little glimpse of like what it's like to have tea at your family at 4 p.m. in the afternoon and how the kids always play and the adults always sit and have tea and you were finally invited to sit and have tea with the adults and the the moment that that felt for you like walk me into that don't tell me like I'm also the president of the drama club and I'm president of the student body and the this and the that and the you know that's just I saw that in your resume and I think too many kids fall into this trap of, I have 650 words. I can, I, can, I can tell them about how impressive my accomplishments are in 650 words. And that's the very wrong strategy to take. And you want to utilize the time that you do have to bring that reader into like who you are at your core and like your values and, and like just generally like speaking like, like you, like we wanna know you. We want to see that side of like you that's a deeper side that doesn't come out on the surface. That's what gets us to just fall in love with you. And I think the more we, we have that feeling of like we've just gotten lost in your file and just so happy and like we, we enjoyed it, whether it was a really deep essay or a really lighthearted, funny one or whatever, showing that about yourself is going to be the best way to get us on your side in terms of like really lobbying for you. We might have liked you if you impressed us through your essay, but we wouldn't have maybe fallen in love with you as hard as we did if you told us the story. So like my one piece of advice is like all this work you're doing, all of this effort you're putting in, you know, make sure that when you seal the deal with that final, those pieces of writing that you're submitting for your college application, make sure that those are you're so confident in yourself and everything else you've done that you don't need this feeling of retelling all of that again. Like you already know you've shown me in your resume how strong you are. So that that essay is just a beautiful piece of writing that just seals the deal. And that I think is the best piece of advice I can give to anyone who's gonna go through this process of college admissions is to have the confidence in knowing that you've done everything you could have done and that essay and short answers are the beautiful narratives that really take us into who you are at your core. 
Yeah, I think that's great. And like you said, all students are trying to impress. And so, you know, those essays are the one way that you can kind of stand out, like you said, as a human, because other people might have really similar stuff to you on your resume. They may also be the president of a couple clubs, but the personal statement in those essays are really what's going to make you stand out as you. Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. I think that's all amazing information, kind of Um, really awesome insights into what college counselors do and how they think as well as admissions officers. So I'm really hoping that our students and parents, if they're listening, kind of take that to heart as they're um, utilizing their their college counselors as a resource. So thank you again. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. Good luck, everyone. Yes, definitely good luck. So if our listeners are looking for any more information about succeeding in high school or college admissions, I would definitely suggest checking out our blog, which I'll link below. There's actually a great post that Adrienne wrote about how you should be getting to know your high school college counselor. I'll link that below. It really nails home a lot of the points that she was making today. And if you have any questions or would like to request a future topic, uh, you can go ahead and give us a follow on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at Ingenious Prep, and send us a message. We also have a new Facebook group called College Admissions Corner. Not only can you use it to talk to other people who listen to the podcast, to talk about episodes, uh, request topics, but it's really a place for parents and students to talk to each other, get advice from each other, and build a community. So I will also link that below and I would highly recommend checking it out. All right, that's all for now. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time as we continue our journey inside the admissions office.